0: I think that um, I think the f- the final phrase uh, that the reporter says in that story is probably the most profound and impactful. That tonight he is free, and so is she. <clears throat> just I'm, I don't know why I'm, I'm, I get wrecked by that story. <clears throat> um, I'm just going to s- spoil what this message is about from the get-go. Forgiveness is freedom. Freedom is forgiveness. That is the truth that we'll find from the word. That's what we're going to see that God does and what he wants to do in every one of our lives. Now, there's nothing more extraordinary, I think, on the planet than to see the act of forgiveness. In fact, what you'll find and see is that the world will write stories and tell stories of forgiveness because it's so radically different than what we feel internally when we've been wronged. And it's so radically different than what the world often asks us to do when there's been an injustice in our lives. And so this thing is so unbelievably countercultural that what we find is when the world sees it in any way it it displays the greatness and the goodness of God in a way that no, almost n- nothing else can in this life it changes it moves it moves people's hearts. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus. When you see forgiveness, it moves you internally. And they write stories about it, and they tell it in so many different ways. And the question is, is all right, Lord, forgiveness is powerful. The question is, why? Why is it so powerful? And the answer is, is because it's who God is, and it's what he does. It's in him unlike anything or any other being in the universe. It's a part of who he is and it's what he does and it's his call on our lives. What I want you to do is I want you to look in Colossians 3. We'll just use this as a jumping off point and then begin to see what the Lord wants to say and what he wants to do in our own lives. Colossians 3 verse 12, we'll start in verse 12. Now, here's the encouragement to the church. Here's what he says. Listen, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So you have this encouragement from the Lord or from the Holy Spirit, from the apostle to the church, and he's saying, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to put this on, literally take this on. So he's not saying, hey, here are some neat things to do. Actually, what he's saying is, I want you to take who God is and be clothed in it. Let it wash over you. And that as you do that, one of the things that you do is to begin to forgive. This is so ingrained into the personhood of God that it begins to uh, call us up into what he's like. And so you see here it says, uh, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. What he's saying is, listen, you cannot connect to God's heart to walk in this thing of forgiveness without first and foremost remembering and knowing deeply how deeply we've been forgiven ourselves. We got a chance to talk about that a little bit last week. And if you haven't had a chance, maybe you can go. Uh, we'll have, be posting that to our website here in the next uh, few days. But, uh, but the idea, there's this foundational element of what God wants to do that there is a call on every one of us to forgive those, But it starts by remembering the forgiveness we've received. And Jesus actually tells a story in Matthew, actually tells a parable in Matthew chapter 18. And there's a man, and he tells a story. He says, listen, there's a man who owed millions of dollars. The equivalent is millions of dollars. He was so far, he was in a debt he absolutely could not pay off in his lifetime. And he came, there's a man, the man came before the king and he said, please. Would you forgive me? And the king sees and has mercy on him and forgives the debt millions of dollars, forgives it completely. And so this man walks away, scot-free from this incredible debt that he couldn't pay. And then he turns uh, around and someone comes to him for roughly the equivalent of about three months' pay. And he says, listen, I'm I'm having a problem. I can't pay this three months' uh, pay back to you and that man looks at him and he says, I'm throwing you in jail you, because you have not repaid your debt. And people hear that this man was just forgiven and he turned around and will not offer forgiveness. They go and tell the king. The king pulls the man back in and says, listen, your unwillingness to extend forgiveness is putting you in chains and it'll put you in chains forever. What, he's at, what, what the king is actually saying, Jesus, Jesus is actually saying, listen, what this is going to do is this is going to put you in shackles for life. It'll bind you in a way that you'll never actually be free. It's a most profound picture that Jesus gives to say, hey, God is ready to come and go into the deepest places of our darkness, God's ready to go into the most challenging places where we, continue, where we fall short or continue to fall short or where we've hurt or wounded others and come and pull us out and give us hope and life. He said, this issue of forgiveness is so central to who God is that not only were we meant to receive it, but we were meant to be a people to give it away. Meant to be a people who give it and to not give it away is to resign hear this, to resign ourselves to a life of being shackled. This issue of being compassionate and having mercy is so deep. It's such a deeply held trait of who the king actually is, that it actually, it is what it means to follow the king. It's so central to who God is that to say, I want to follow the king is to actually be willing to say that where your heart is in the issue of forgiveness, I want my heart to be as well. That's how central it is to him. And so actually holding bitterness is counter to who God is. It's counter to what he is and it's counter to what Jesus actually did on the cross. And it's counter to the call that God has on our lives. Listen, The the truth is this, nobody in here wants to be bitter. Nobody. Nobody, if I were to come into a place, I mean, if I were to come into the room and say, hey, how many of you want to have emotional wounds that destroy you from the inside out, right? (laughs) Nobody's going, that's me, I want it, I want it. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's asking for a life where we have these wounds that we can't let go of. Nobody wants that. Yet we do. And the question is why? Where is it that we've missed? If, if no one wants to come in to have a root of bitterness in them that's decaying them from the inside out, then why is it that we often hold on to it? What is it that we think we're getting? What is it that we think we're going to have by holding on to those places, those wounds, and that place of bitterness and unforgiveness And the the answer to that is, well, we want justice. The truth is, is we want justice. And so we'll find an inner wrestling going on. We want both justice, but we see the heart of forgiveness. And God wants to begin to reconcile these two issues inside of us so that we can begin to understand his heart and what he wants to accomplish through us. Listen, when Jesus asks us to forgive, it's not just because it's a nice thing to do. What he's actually doing is he's willing to drill down to the deep place and come in and begin to speak to the issue of both justice and forgiveness inside of us. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at, I want you to see this encouragement. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. So this is the declaration We want everyone to receive the grace of God that no, look at this, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. Here's what Jesus wants to say to this. Listen, when the Lord and his word asks us to forgive, to be a people who forgive, He isn't asking us to go through uh, the motions of saying something. What he's actually doing is he's drilling down to the deep place to say, hey, this root of bitterness is going to defile you. The call to forgive is actually the call to live free. It's It's the good heart of a king who's looking at us saying, I don't want your life to decay, to be defiled this root of bitterness that is holding on to you. Hear my words, it will defile you. He's essentially saying it'll ruin you. It'll ruin not only who you are and your ability to live, but to be able to walk. And even as we discussed last week, that the root of unforgiveness will destroy our ability to relate rightly to God. And keep us in shackles. And while it might feel good in the moment to wish something horrible on those that have hurt us, it ultimately destroys us, it decays us from the inside out. That's why Jesus calls us to forgive without number, not counting, but to be able to actually live a life of freedom. And if you've gotten to come to church for any amount of time, you'll hear the story where Jesus is actually teaching on forgiveness in Matthew 18, and Peter comes to him, and he says, uh, Matthew 18, verse 21, he came up and he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Now, of course, uh, the conventional Jewish thought at the time was like, you have to forgive people three times, but on the fourth time, it's okay to kind of begin to, 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 to be upset. And so what Peter's thinking is, I'm gonna, not just the three times. I'm gonna double it and add one, and and Jesus is gonna see how spiritual I am. <laughs> Shall we forget, forget seven times? And Jesus looks at him. you so cute, Peter. All right, not seven, not seven times. I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Now here's what he's saying. Peter, you don't understand. This isn't just about what you are perceiving. How many times do I let somebody off the hook before I can really ask them to owe me something? What he's actually saying is, is I don't want you to live a lifestyle of bitterness and decay. I don't want you to be defiled. How many times will it take for you to forgive so that your heart is free? He's actually calling Peter into a life of freedom, right? And this happens, this life of freedom happens. There's a couple of different ways, right? There's someone in our life that continues to hurt us in ways. And Peter's asking the question, how many times do we forgive, right? We have people that'll either, likely it's somebody that's family or someone that's close to you, and there's a constant hurting or wounding that takes place, Uh, So you have that circumstance or you have the circumstance where someone hurt you in one of the worst ways possible and it continues to come up and it continues to come to the surface and the hurt or the wound that was done to you continues to rise up. Either one of these situations Jesus is speaking to saying, hey, I'm aware that in the scope of life that this that this issue of unforgiveness will come up over and over again that you'll either be around someone who's offending you often or you're around someone that's hurt and wounded you once and it's, it seems to continue to rise to the surface. And so the call from the Lord is, hey, not seven times, it's seven times, 70 times seven. Trust me in this. If you don't want to be defiled by a root of bitterness and decay, then you've got to begin to open your hands up and to walk with a spirit of forgiveness. Now, here's what we need to do. Can we, can we be honest about hurt, about being wounded? This happens in every human, in every culture, and in every time. There is no part of humanity that gets to walk in this life without being hurt and wounded by other people without being sinned against in many ways. Some of you have been sinned against in some ways that are just frustrating on a regular basis. You got a coworker that's a jerk. And then some of you have been wounded in ways that feel like it's a mountain. Because when we're talking about this issue of forgiveness, this isn't like some issue where we're skipping rocks along the lake and trying to figure out how to move on in life. There's some real wounding that actually takes place. And there's this temptation for bitterness to root itself in whenever we've been wronged, whenever you were treated badly, it might be really badly, or maybe just kind of quasi. Maybe you have been abused. It be, if we're being honest and coming to church and try to kind of gloss over the things, some of you were abused, maybe abused by someone who was supposed to be a safe place. Or maybe even worse, someone has abused someone that you love. Maybe it was a child. Or someone's hurt or wounded somebody that you care very deeply for. And you feel angry. There was injustice that was done against you. And you feel the weight of injustice. It's every human has had this experience, and maybe you've tried to reconcile, or maybe you've tried to work through reconciliation, it's not working out. Maybe the person tried to repent or tried to work through it, but maybe not. Maybe they said something to you about it and tried to maybe gloss through it, but that's not really working in terms of that feeling of hurt and wounded. You just feel angry, and you can't let it go. It might be somebody It might be somebody you're married to. Might be somebody you live in the same house with, might be a parent, could be a, a boss or a former boss, could be some, maybe a friend that betrayed you in a, in, in, in a painful way. And you have this thing and you've, you can try to gloss over it and you can, there's a, you can binge enough TV shows back to back to try to make it go away, but at the end of the day, you lay your head on the pillow and you take it to bed with you. And it's sitting in there and it's not going away. And you know that it's killing you, and it might not be killing your perpetrator. You carry the weight of it, and they don't, and you feel the injustice, and you kind of grit your teeth every time you think about it. You ever been to that place? And the reason that it's hard to let it go let it go is because you know it was not right. You know that there was an injustice. And you know that there's nothing proportionate about what you're experiencing, the hurt that you have and what feels like that they're getting off scot-free. And you feel the disappointment of that. And you feel like in your head, you're saying it wasn't right and it wasn't fair. And that's true. But that thought, living with it, becomes deadly. It becomes poisonous. And so here's the question. What do you do? What do you do when you're at that point? How do we begin to come to the Lord with this? And what does it look like to actually forgive and be free? And I just outlined a few things that we'll see from scripture. You can take those down and then we're just gonna ask God to do that in us this morning. Step one, when you and I are in a hard place, we invite God into our pain. We invite God into our pain. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. Listen to me, I want you to hear this. The beginning of forgiveness is not asking God to help you pretend that what happened to you didn't happen. That's not the meaning of forgiveness. All right, that's not what God's asking you to do. What God actually wants to do is dignify the pain that you're experiencing and come into it with you. So literally asking God to come in and speak to you in that moment of hurt. Why? Because that's what God loves to do is to meet us wherever we're at and to speak right to it. God speaks. In fact, all through the scripture, all we see is man operating up here and God being willing to come down here into the heart and to deal with the thing that's really going on. That's what God wants to do. So God comes and sits right in it with us. Because I want you to hear this. God knows rejection. God knows sorrow. God knows betrayal. God knows the unjust loss of innocence. God knows the pain and loss of, of a child. God knows what it means to be physically abused. God knows all of these things because Jesus came, son of God, and experienced all of it. So some of the worst pains and hardest issues you might have ever faced, you might ever face in this life, let me tell you, God walked through it on this earth embodied it, came in and absorbed it. So listen to this. God is ready to come and to sit with you in that moment, to be with you. He understands it. You have someone who knows exactly what you're walking through and he's ready to come in and speak to it. And when he does, step two, in that place of pain, we begin to come to God for comfort. So we begin to not Look to self-medicate, which is often what we do when we have bitterness. We try to find a hundred different things to make the pain go away. We might look for sex. We might look for alcohol. We might look for relationships. We might look for money. We might look for status or power to try to make pain go away or just distractions. We might look to a hundred different things to make the pain go away. But when we ask God to come into the middle of it, what God wants to do is speak life and peace. In that moment, second Corinthians chapter one, verse three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all. Everybody say all, all, all our affliction, all of it. There's no corner that God's not willing to come into. There's no corner that he can't bring comfort and peace. And so we start looking to him and we say, God, I've got, a, I've got a hurt and a wound that I can't fix and I can't make it go away. And so I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to sit in this with me, dignify it, and I'm, and I'm giving it to you. I'm putting my eyes on you. And God comes and meets us in that pain and he gives us what only he can give in a way that no one else can give it to us and we come to him as the comforter. Then we get to step out and I have step 3 and we just get to confess and be honest with God and say, "Lord, I'm angry and I'm bitter." Just be real. You know, confessing is actually just getting before the Lord and saying, "Hey, here's what's going on inside of me and I know this is not aligned with you and I want to tell you. I want to speak it. I'm going to confess it. I'm bitter and I'm angry." no more beautiful prayer to pray than the one of honesty before the Lord, because it's that place when we confess that God can begin to actually move. It's the acknowledgement, God, I'm not all right, and I can't do anything about this. And you say, listen, I can't shake this. This bitterness is deep within me and I can't get free from it on my own. And it seems like that person's moving on with their life, but it is killing me on the inside. And we get a chance to come before him and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. And say, Lord, I need your help. And to be honest and say, I can't stop feeling this rage or this way. And I'm asking you to take this from me. I'm asking you to come and do what only you can do. Would you come in, dignify, meet me here? I look to you for comfort and I'm being honest with you and asking that you to fix what's broken in me. And we got to cover this in these last uh, couple of weeks, but being clear about this issue, that this, this place of God asking us to forgive others is for us. for us. It's not about fixing the one that hurt you. They have their thing. That's their thing. This is about you being free. What a good king. What a kind king to say forgive. Don't hold on to bitterness. What a merciful God to call us up to that place to say listen I want you to be healed and whole that's who he is and that's what he wants to do so listen just in case and I just I have a sense that it's easy for the enemy to come in and try to say "Ooh, you haven't forgiven you haven't done enough if you don't forgive you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna stand you're gonna be judged I'm judging you because you haven't worked through this thing yet and the Lord let me tell you the Lord's command for forgiveness is the invitation for freedom It's the invitation for life. It's the invitation for God to come in and begin to wrestle through this and to pull from us the things that are destroying us on the inside. And then finally, and I didn't highlight this, but step four is trusting God's promises. Oh, uh, Luke got it anyway. That's awesome. Good job. Back there, Luke. (laughs) Step four, trusting God's promises by releasing vengeance and justice to him. What I mean by that is we come and we trust the blood-bought promises of God. Romans 12, 19. Beloved, listen. Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The reason that we often hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness is because we are trying to accomplish justice. We're trying to serve justice by saying, the way that you hurt me, I'm gonna remain angry and vengeful at you in order to obtain justice. And the Lord's saying, listen, you aren't accomplishing justice by your anger and bitterness inside. You're wounding yourself. That justice can only come from one place and it comes from the King of Kings who is perfect and righteous and he will repay. And what that means is this, listen, there's one of two ways. Look, God is going to judge everything, that has, every wrong and every sin that has ever taken place in the history of humanity. It will be judged in one of two ways. Either that unrepentant sin will be judged and sent eternally to hell and separation from God. In which case, your bitterness is not a better judgment. God is going to take care of all injustice and it will be all unrepentant sin will be answered in eternal separation from the Lord or it will be set on the shoulders of the son of God and be brought whole and made redeemed. But it will be judged. So church, hear this. We don't have to be judge and executioner. We actually get to be free. The call to forgiveness is the kindness of God to let us live free. God will take and judge all sin. I promise, that's his, pro- I don't promise. It's his promise from the word of God. And it's beautiful. Can't improve on God's plan in any way. The only thing we can do is choose to either partner with it or live a life that is continuing to decay. And that's the question. Now, listen. I wanna be clear about something with this issue of forgiveness because it, forgiveness doesn't mean that you no longer have any wrong for the place, that no, ha, you no longer have any regard for the place that you were hurt. Listen, it doesn't, forgiveness doesn't mean pretending that you weren't hurt. It doesn't mean excusing or justifying what hurtful thing was done to you. It doesn't mean that you automatically have to trust the person who has hurt you doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for hurtful actions. Even as we got to see the hurtful action in the video done, there were a measure of consequences that took place in that man's life. But what it does mean, it means this, I'm choosing not to be the one who punishes you. I'm letting you off my hook. Now, I'm not letting you off God's hook. God's hook's for everyone, but I'm letting you off my hook. I won't be the one that's keeping a record of your wrongs. I'm not going to be throwing you under the bus or seeking vengeance about you. But I am choosing to be free of bitterness that would otherwise destroy me. That's what forgiveness is, that choice to be completely free of the restraints of that soul-destroying bitterness that can wrap any one of us up. And so the call is, will you hold on to hurt and bitterness? Or will you be willing to let go and open up and see the Lord do his work of healing and mercy in the moment? There's two pictures. One is aligned with what the enemy wants to do in our lives to keep us bound up. And one is aligned with the king of the universe who holds justice forever in his hands. And every time we're hurt, even if it's the little thing or it's the really huge thing, the opportunity is to be either aligned with the enemy in destruction of our lives or to be aligned with a king who delivers compassion and mercy to all who call on him. That is, is the call and that's the exchange. That every act of forgiveness is actually an exchange that we make. It's the handing over of our hurting and our pain for the Lord to come and speak and bring life and wholeness to it. To, re- to hand that over to him and to receive his glad heart, to receive peace, to receive thankfulness for his goodness because God sees and dignifies and knows all that we're walking through and he meets us in it. If you, if you look back in your Bibles at our text in Colossians three, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Look at verse 14. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and here, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. There's the call. This is the exchange that we get to make. And so forgiveness actually is the journey of every person that's going to follow Jesus. If you're a Follower of Jesus this morning, this is the encouragement, this is the actual, this is the call and encouragement, the challenge to come and meet him in this place. It's what he does and it is an ever-growing presence in every one of us. And the reason I know this, and I'll ask our team to come up and we're gonna finish out with this. Let me tell you why I know this is the call and it's for every one of us. Because if you... On this morning, profess to be a follower of Jesus and have given your life to him. And you've asked him to cover your sin and clean you. Then here's what he did. He sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. Therefore, just got just the right, got the right lights for forgiveness. We get that. Listen, that Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Listen to this. Therefore, you have every ounce of power you need to walk with Him. Everything you need to begin to walk in forgiveness. And listen, I recognize many of you have been hurt in a way you might have to do it 70 times seven. You might find yourself being good one year, and the next year, something's cropping up. The enemy's trying to speak a lie. And God's wanting to do a fresh work in you. Yes. See, the work of forgiveness is the fresh, refreshing work of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't actually ever stop. And we don't, there's nothing more godly or beautiful. And they write stories about it. I would, love for, I would love for the world to write stories about the forgiveness that's taking place in our lives. I would love for the world to know the stories of God's healing, might, and power in our lives against those that have hurt us. We would love for the world to be able to see the glory and the majesty of God because we trusted him to make the exchange. And that's what the Lord's calling each one of us to do. And we could choose to walk in one of those places, either under the enemy or under the Lord. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to close here. Let's just go before the Lord and ask him. We're just going to ask him to come in. Inevitably, even as I was sharing this morning, maybe the thought of something or someone, something has happened to you or someone has hurt you. And it might be a long time ago. It might be happening even in this moment. And there's the the beckoning of the Lord, the encouragement of the Lord. And I want you to hear this. It's not to excuse or to be okay with what's happened to you. That's not the call. The call is to come before the Lord and, and ask him to meet you in your hurt and let him dignify your hurt and begin to speak peace to you. So that's what we're gonna do here. Would you just come before the Lord? Any place that you might have a sense of maybe unforgiveness, would you just ask the Lord to come into it? I'm, I'm hurt, God. Would you meet me in this place? Would you show me your kindness? Would you dignify my hurt? Let, just let the Lord speak to you. I know you're hurt i understand it i see it and ask the god of all comfort to flood you with peace every affliction god comes to bring peace And if you're willing, would you just be in this place as you receive the peace of the Lord, just be, a, be willing to confess, here's where I'm hurt. I confess my anger, my bitterness. I'm being honest with you about it. I've been deeply wounded and I'm, I'm honoring you by being honest about it. I'm confessing this to you. taking this moment to just do what your word says which it says repent it means take the hurt and say this is not mine to carry I'm giving it to you I repent of holding on to this wound and I'm just giving it to you and then literally begin to hand it to him just in your heart hand it over And then just make that declaration, Lord, will you work justice? Not my justice, it's your justice. You work justice for your people. I am entrusting my life to you, that you will bring about justice for me. I'm trusting you with it so that I don't have to hold on to this anymore. let's just take a moment. We're gonna just sing just a couple more minutes about the power of Jesus and what he did on the cross and his work over our lives and his power to overcome. So will you just take this moment to give it to the Lord, to worship him and to thank him and trust him in a fresh way. Lord, do this now in us, we ask in Jesus' name.